The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Here's the snap. Pressure coming from the outside. Brady throws a pass. Hot ball. First out of the 50. Outside the numbers. 40. To the 30-yard line. To the 25. And Perriman. Bashad Perriman. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Fox win in overtime. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube today for episode 248. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. We are not alone. It is the return of our midweek mailbag show. Joining us today, good friend of the pod, Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus. How you doing, boys? Doing really yeah. well and uh, happy to have Trevor finally back. We were talking before the show, his first time back since before the draft. He has returned. Not only has the weekly mailbag returned, but so has Trevor Sikama. Man, two, you guys are at 248 episodes. I know. I know. We're <laughs> probably, awful. you know, it's probably a little weird to keep counting at this point because after so long, you start to branch into uh, different timelines, if you will. Some episodes aren't numbered. Some are. So it's hard to keep everything in order. But yeah, man, I'm surprised we've been trucking this long. It's a it's a pretty Dude, cool this feeling. Is great. I mean, you guys have an awesome format. You two are great as podcast hosts. You bring a voice to the people for Bucks fans and uh I, I always love coming on this podcast and talking to the team with you guys. So appreciate you guys having me on 248 or maybe even more episodes is an awesome milestone to have, man. So uh, congrats on that. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much, dude. Really looking forward to this week's show. We have got a lot to talk about from the Buccaneers playoff run so far. We'll catch you up, get Trevor's thoughts on everything so far, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit beyond the rest of the season as well. But Let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to be covering your guys' submitted bucks, questions, takes, and much more. If you want to get in on the mailbag every single week, you can reach out to us, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Cannon Fire Podcast. Also on email, if you like that as well, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. It is always open, so uh, send us something. I don't know. Let's talk. Let's get into it. Talking about Bucks rams this weekend in the divisional round. The Bucks cleaned up. Pretty well at home against the Eagles, 31-15. to 15. Wanted to get your thoughts really quickly, Trevor, on uh, just the state of this Bucks team and and really some of your biggest impressions after the way that they handled Philadelphia in the first round. Yeah, I mean, this was never going to be a game. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry for, for any Philly fans that are listening because Evan uh, comes from Philadelphia. But to me, like, it, it's, it, this, this was never going to be a game. I mean, I think that the Eagles did a really nice job handling lesser competition this year. And I think that their record reflects that. I mean, they beat up on bad teams. And I think, 
you know, a credit does go to Nick Sirianni. I know some people kind of roll their eyes and go like, oh, credit to him for figuring out what they should have been doing all along. Well, you got to understand, man, like first year head coach, you're trying to understand a lot of things. You're the head of an organization. You're basically a CEO as much as you are a coach, maybe even more. So there's a lot of things that go just beyond calling plays and putting guys in the right spots. I mean, it is a stressful gig and it's a different gig once you go from being a coordinator to a head coach. So I, I do give Nick Sirianni credit. He figured things out. He's gotten a lot out of Jalen Hurts, but simply put, the the Eagles at their identities best was never going to be enough to beat Tampa Bay. It really wasn't. I mean, it was going to have to take a catastrophically bad day from Brady and the Buccaneers bunch to really best them in any way, shape, or form. So this it was kind of expected. And it's it sounds really, really weird. Trust me, for all the Bucks fans that are listening. It sounds really weird coming out of my mouth that the Bucks handling a playoff opponent in the wild card <laughs> division is expected, but I guess that's where we are at this point. The big takeaway moving forward was one, I think you have to have a decent amount of confidence with the depth in the running back room, right? A lot of people were wondering uh, how big of a loss Leonard Fournette was going to be. Rojo was not there as well. And Keyshawn Vaughn looked super confident when the ball was in his hands, as he did kind of down the stretch throughout the season. And then Gio looked like a veteran. And so even if, you know, I think I know that they're expecting to get Leonard Fournette back, but even if it was those two guys, I mean, that's enough to alleviate the pass game. So I think that you're you're encouraged with that. What sucks is the potential injuries, right? Especially this week's matchup. You're missing, you know, you you look at Ryan Jensen and, and if he's got any sort of an injury, he's an interior guy that's got to help out with the best defensive player on the planet and Aaron Donald. And if Tristan Wirfs is hurt, well, Von Miller goes up against right tackle. So all of a sudden it's Josh Wells versus a future Hall of Famer and Von Miller. So all of a sudden, I think those things get really interesting. I think that the takeaways were Tampa absolutely should have looked that good. And they did look that good against Philly, but this is a different beast now going into the divisional round, especially against this Los Angeles Rams opponent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. And, you know, I, I think what we learned from, from the Philly matchup was a lot of debate among people on Twitter. I, I think just for the NFL that the NFL probably shouldn't have uh, seven playoff teams because that <laughs> like, that's the, the matchups you're going to get. Um, and obviously a bye week would have helped the bucks in this instance, because in that case, Ryan Jensen would have been healthy and Tristan Wirfs would have been healthy going into this matchup. So um, it would have made for a different story. I heard, so I heard a debate, like people were talking, I can't remember if this was on Twitter, or if it was in the background on like NFL Network or ESPN or something as I was working earlier this week, but some people were asking, would you rather have a cakewalk wild card game? Like, I think that they had the Eagles and the Bucks as an example, the Steelers versus the, the Chiefs were the other example, right? Like, would you rather have a cakewalk wild card game? Or would you rather have the buy? And the, the, what people were arguing was, you know, too much time off might be a bad thing. Like, for example, if you you know you're the number one seed and you're resting your players in weeks in week 18 now, 17, mm -hmm. 18, 18, 18 now. Yeah. If you were resting your players the last week of the season and then you get a buy, so that's almost two weeks off of football, are you going to be ready to hit the ground running once you get to your actual playoff match? And people were like, okay, like rust is a real thing. I'd much rather not play the football game. Are you crazy? <laughs> that, yeah. like, if you take one wrong step, I totally get rust, but I'd rather get over rust than get over Tristan Wirfs not being in my lineup or Ryan Jensen yeah. not being in my lineup or whatever it is. This is football, man. One wrong move can mean the end of a guy's season and them not being in the lineup for you. And so I, 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 
understand why we bring that question up from a content perspective. Maybe there's a little bit of a debate there, but just to piggyback off of what Evan said, I think you're crazy if you wouldn't have taken the buy, even over an opponent that you knew you were going to beat. The Cannon Fire Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Check out their updated website and mobile app to get an extra 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Once again, bet online, your online sportsbook expert. And just for the sake of the conversation, it's kind of a shame it has to be said, but I think... Also, you have to think about it from a ratings perspective. I mean, it it definitely sets itself up with the any given Sunday nature of the NFL. It definitely sets itself up for some crazy ass upsets over the next few years. I mean, everybody loves a good upset, right? Yeah, but those haven't happened. Like They, they haven't, haven't even happened, been but I bet you they will. I mean, depending on how Maybe long eventually. this format, right? It doesn't seem like they're going to be changing this anytime soon, so... It, it's going to happen eventually. It will. And it'll be, you know, a huge thing on the Internet for a couple of days. It'll get a bunch of ratings. Maybe it'll break the record for ratings that the uh, Nickelodeon broadcast did this week. Did you catch any of that, Trev? <laughs> I uh, I didn't catch I didn't catch much of the Nickelodeon like antics, although I did see the <laughs> the memes of Mike McCarthy at the end, where you, which is, <laughs> I was howling sitting on my couch watching that because that is some disrespectful stuff right there. <laughs> Just putting like the devil horns and like the the smoke coming out of his nose and like man, yeah, you they ended about, up putting slime on him. You, I mean, you talk about like bad time to do that man i mean it was sports world was about to go nuclear on the cowboys and so i don't know it was it was funny i guess it's a it's a funny way to do it but yeah. uh yeah well let's go ahead and shift our focus now towards this week's game obviously we'll get much more in depth on uh, the game preview show which will be on friday but for now i wanted to get of course trevor's opinion on a couple of things and dive into uh, some of these mailbag questions as well so let's kick things off talking about the Buccaneers defense. This was one of my biggest takeaways from that first playoff game was the start that this defense had. I mean, you got Levante David back. It definitely helps when you get some pass rushers like Shaq Barrett back as well. JPP helps out the run game a little bit, which is why they were able to shut it down against Philly. But the defense really picked up at a level I didn't think they were going to be able to. So obviously it's important to carry that into this week. But our, to- our our buddy Tony Baloney asks uh, asks us this. There's a reason we call him Tony Baloney, but that's that's a story for a different day. Um, he asks us, "What does Todd Bowles need to fine tune on defense this week against the Rams? Even when they won in 2019, the defense wasn't really able to stop you know Jared Goff from scoring as much points as they did. Uh, so from you know a defensive scheme perspective, what do the Bucks really need to hone on this week?" or hone in on this week if they hope to slow down Sean McVay and this Rams defense that has definitely gotten the better than the last two te- uh, two times these teams have played. Yeah, so uh, John Ledyard over at Peter Report, him and I were were talking over um, text last night, and and he's got a great column out right now in his Bucks briefing column talking about what Todd Bowles and what the Bucks just in general need to do against the Rams. And um, one of the points that I think is a really great point is Bowles blitzes more than any defense coordinator in the NFL. Like he loves being aggressive. He loves sending the heat, but this week against the Rams, that's probably not going to be their best scheme, their best game plan because Stafford 
tears apart the blitz. I mean, for as much as Stafford has given the ball away over the last five or six games and really hasn't looked that solid as a quarterback, if you blitz him, he's read you apart. And so I think that that's really, it's got to be kind of Bulls recognizing that and almost tempering what he loves to do a little bit, knowing that, hey, if we're just really bringing four most of the time, if we're dropping more back into coverage, as long as their coverage is playing the way that they need to, and they can, man, they've got three corners that they can rely upon. They've got two safeties that they love to play. They've got a deep rotation uh, at, at defensive back, I guess, anyways, because of all the experience that they've had to give a lot of their depth guys because of injuries, right? Like if you trust your secondary and especially the five main guys that you're playing back there, I guess I should say six, because obviously it's Jordan Whitehead, Mike Edwards as well as uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. So if you trust those six guys that you have in a uh, defensive back and Levante David, he didn't, you could tell he wasn't hundred percent last week. Like you could tell he just was not running as fast as he normally could. Devin White was flying all over the place, especially to start that game, but it was a run heavy script. So you figured that that was going to be the case. I, I think that that's a, a long way of me saying, trust those guys that you have in the secondary allow your front four, your talented front four to hopefully get after Stafford in a reasonable amount of time. But we've seen over the last few weeks, he will give the ball away, right? And it's just, if you let your coverage players sit back into coverage, and I'm not saying don't bring the blitz at all. You've got to be able to change up your pitches. You can't just throw them sliders, even though that's your best thing. You've got to be able to mix it up and throw some curveballs and fastballs and everything in there. So I, I think that you still have to do that, but I would say the key to this defensive matchup against the Rams is do not blitz at the rate in which they have before, because this group, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford have been really good at neutralizing the blitz. So that's kind of what I would say about that. Yeah. And you know, in, in the past, actually, a lot of people have brought up that Matthew Stafford hasn't done well against Todd Bowles defenses, but the evidence that he has success is right there in week three um, when Stafford arguably had his best game as a Ram and uh, was virtually untouchable. I think the Bucks they ended up getting a sack off of a blitz, but the game was decided by that point. And I did, I, I actually read uh, Ledger's piece the, uh, actually this morning. It's a, it's a great piece. It outlines, you know, sort of what the Bucks might have to do. Um, and I, I definitely agree that, Todd Bowles, while you can't completely eliminate the blitz, you're going to have to limit it. And I, I felt, I don't know exactly the exact number, but it felt like he blitzed a little bit less uh, last week. Um, it, it may be trying to confuse the, the inexperienced quarterback, but I mean, Stafford, you know, he's going to be able to, to pick on a, a few things. So I, I do think that getting home with four, which isn't something the Bucks have really done well against the Rams. Uh, Jason Bear Paul is still dealing with that torn rotator cuff. Uh, Shaq Barrett has had problems uh, with, with their, their tackles. Um, you know, I, I think getting home with four would be important. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I, I hope what happens, though, early in the game, if they don't have success with four early, I hope that Bulls doesn't go desperate and then try to blitz because I do think, you know, Stafford will just shred it. And like you said, I, I was shocked to see that Matthew Stafford had 17 interceptions on the season. It just, yeah, it didn't feel like he had that many. And um, yeah, he's, he's always been a guy to take chances, but uh, he, he's like you said, he has shown a tendency to give the ball away, which if the Bucks want to win this game, it feels like they're going to have to get a turnover or two. Well, I just I just looked it up on on PFF's database. The Bucks have had a regular season blitz rate of um, 
43 percent on 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 their uh, on their defensive plays, and they blitzed 44.9 last week against the Eagles. So oh wow! It was, it was wow. Yeah, right. I mean, and I think that it was just kind of like a you know, it's a different game plan, right? Because Hertz is so mobile that you don't maybe the blitz doesn't stand out to you as much, but they were allocating a lot of resources still. So this week, if Todd Bowles dials it down, it'll be the first time in a while that he's done so. Let's go ahead and take a look at the other side of the football for this weekend's game against the Rams in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Hopefully less blowouts this week, by the way. I, I know we're kind of, you know, wrapping up our talk on the wild card round, but what was it? Three or four of the major games this week were just one-sided as hell. I mean, Buffalo Patriot or but yeah, Bills and the Patriots. I me and Evan both picked the Bills winning this week, but not by that much. I think everybody picked the Bills to win last week, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they'd make it look like that. I didn't have any <laughs> reservations. I was like, Bills are winning this game. Like, yeah. I, I, I would put a crap ton of money on the Bills winning this game, but I didn't think it was going to look like that. And um, look, I'm not going to toot my own horn or anything here. This hasn't <laughs> happened yet, so I'm also not counting my chickens before they hatch. But preseason, I said this Super Bowl would be Bucks Bills. Mid season. I said the Bucks. That I said the Super Bowl would be Bucks Bills, and right now it looks pretty good that the Bills are probably going to come out of the AFC, and maybe the Bucks will do it too out of the NFC. So uh, I'm sticking to it. I've stuck to it all year. I'm gonna stick with Bucks Bills as my Super Bowl pick because they look. Or did you have to pick a winner for that game at, at the times when you made that prediction? I have not. I have not had to pick a winner. So okay. uh, so yeah. I, so I'm reserve. I'm reserving that until we see the, the final matchup and how the teams are. I believe me and Evan did our Super Bowl picks way back on the season prediction show to wrap things up. Do you remember what your Super Bowl pick was, Evan? Because I certainly remember mine. I, I believe it, it was Bucks Bills. Um, I'm I'm pretty so, sure. Now so we're just gonna go three for three on Bucks Bills then. Now, but if, oh, if you would, were you Bucks Bills? Yeah, I was. But at the start of the year, yeah, and then, but mid season, I don't know, my, you know, my, my tune, you know, might might have changed a little. Well, the bit. Bills, um, the Bills slowed down a little bit, and obviously, we'll talk Bucks yeah. Rams here in a second. They, they lost to Jacksonville, and it was. But, yeah. I mean, you had every reason to doubt it, <laughs> yeah. but I once I make that pick, I don't really change it throughout the year. The Bills strike me as a team that were, you know, definitely able to overcome that the way that they did. I mean, we saw the Bucks do it last year on their Super Bowl run; absolutely went on a tear after little bit of a slump and you know here they are champions a year later but yeah so i guess three for three on bucks bills I, i'm sure everybody in our chat had bucks bills as well it seems like the sexy pick this year mm -hmm. true. all true. right so bucks rams let's take a look at the offense and get into the next mailbag question as well our buddy chris sing on instagram asks us can the bucks beat the rams without a run game I think the easy answer is to look at what happened week three when the Bucks were playing from behind. Tom Brady had to throw for 400-plus yards and, uh, you know, 50-plus times. So that'll probably be the short answer. But, Trevor, I wanted your input on this. Um, do you think the Bucks can beat the Rams without a run game this week? I Seems like Leonard Fournette's going to come back, but not sure how close to 100% he is. Of course, he's probably got a little bit of rust to overcome as well, so that might take a, a quarter or two, but... What do you think? Um, do you think they can get it done without a run game? And also, do you think the run game will be a factor at all for them on offense this week? You know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the run game. And I think what maybe matters most about running the football and having a good ground game is controlling the ball the way you want to. Now, you don't want to get 
you don't want to get so carried away as to think like, oh, they're going to, they're going to win the game on the ground or anything. I mean, like, don't, don't kid yourself. They're going to win the game through Brady's arm. I mean, like whether, whether Brady is throwing for 250 yards or whether he's throwing for 550 yards, it doesn't matter. At the end of every game script with the Buccaneers winning, they will win through Brady's arm. That's just that, that's how it's going to go. But what you want out of your run game the most is to be able to stay in a rhythm, kind of control the clock, be able to kind of keep the defense on their toes or whatever it is and allow yourself to have a really healthy game script and a healthy game script includes play actions and different types of tempo. Sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it's slow, making sure you're able to pass the football on first down, right? Like all of these things go into it. And so I think a lot of people worry about the run game, maybe a little bit more than you need to. And I understand why they would, because the Bucks are now without Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. So you say to yourself, okay, well, they're just going to have to lean on the run game more. And I, I, I don't think those two things are as correlated as you believe. Now, if Leonard Fournette is out here averaging five yards a carry, like fantastic, great. They'll probably give him the ball a little bit more and that's what you want. But the main point of having a healthy run game and a good run game, a high yards per carry average, something over four yards per carry is that you want to be able to, again, kind of that theme, throw some changeups in there, make sure that, Oh, if they're dropping too many guys, well, that's when you can hand it off and get the easy four or five yards, set something up that opens up the playbook on second and short, or be able to convert on third downs, those kinds of things. I, I think the main the main component of really how the Bucks are going to attack the Rams is, is still through the passing game. And it's, it's going to be about Gronk. And I, I don't want to, if we have a question about this later, I don't want to jump it too much, but Mike Evans is still going to get his on the outside. I think there's a, a decent chance we get a lot of him versus Ramsey, honestly, because um, the Rams have been able to do that mo- moving him around the field a lot, but this is going to be a big tight end game. And especially because the Rams play as much single high safety as they do being able to attack up the seams from the slot, even from an inline position, like all of that's really, really important Um, for people who know more about plays and schemes, the old Don Coriel nine, eight, nine go route, go route post route in the middle. Like that I think is going to be a staple. Now Tampa hasn't been as vertical as they were, last year at the beginning of last year and 989 is very much a vertical passing kind of even Bruce Arians concept that he loves but I think you're going to I, I one I think this game is going to be high scoring so I think the Bucks are going to have to push the ball deeper down the field more than maybe they normally have against some other teams even for as calculated as Brady is that you're going to see him push it a little bit more and that's going to come with those 989 routes and being able to attack with the post over the middle maybe going four wide two by two stuff and having uh, uh, two go routes and a post route. And then you have like a little dig route underneath and be able to dump it off. If you want to like all of those things attack cover three really, really well. And so I think it's going to be a have to have to be a heavy tight end game because the Rams like to rotate their safeties down. Right. I mean, they like to play that cover three and that cover three is, is the deep thirds or the deep, the deep half of the field is divided into thirds. It's two outside corners and a deep middle safety, typically traditionally, you can get a little creative with how you do it, but that's normally what a cover three look is. Now that second safety is buzzing down or coming down, if you will. And that's often where you can cut off a lot of those in breaking routes over the middle. That's where Gronkowski is good, but you can still attack different parts of the field. Even if that is the case, with multiple tight end sets, with four wide receivers on the field. So I think that we saw a decent amount of O.J. Howard, Cam Bray, Rob Gronkowski kind of on the field at the same time. 
I think we might continue to see that a little bit more against the Rams too, because they're going to want to attack the seams from in line from the slot and without AB and Godwin, their tight ends are probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's obviously to me, I was always the the type of person that when Chris Godwin went down and Antonio Brown was released, I I looked to the tight ends, right? I I looked at OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. The Bucks kept these guys on the roster when they didn't really have to, right? Like there was somewhat of a trade market for OJ Howard seemingly every season at the trade deadline at the draft, whatever that may be, they could have saved money by cutting Cameron Bray. They didn't. So like they've kept these guys for a reason. And I figured they could get more involved and they haven't really much yet uh, but I do think this could be the game where you could see not just Gronkowski but OJ Howard especially on those seam routes uh, obviously OJ Howard's a better athlete than Cameron Braid is so I think if you're going vertical you would look for Howard and Gronkowski to kind of be those guys um, but you know going to the question uh, can they win without a running game <sighs> They can, but they have to have a, more of a run game than they did the last time these two teams played. Uh, Brady threw the ball 55 times. He threw for over 400 yards, played through it for 55 times. And Tom Brady was the leading rusher. He had, oh, man, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. up the numbers right now. I, didn't, yeah. I totally forgot that, that he led the team with yeah. 14 yeah. yards. <laughs> so they're going to need to be better than that. Uh, I don't think you don't need to run for you know 150 yards on this team, but you're going to have to have, you know, Tom Brady can't be your leading rusher. If Tom Brady is your leading rusher, then that means Monday morning, your season's over, most likely. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to be better. Uh, and I, I do have faith in a running back room. Trevor talked about, the running back death earlier on in the show and Giovanni Bernard looked really good. Keyshawn Vaughn has looked improved. I mean, much improved over last year. Um, I mean, even Le'Veon Bell in spurts as like a third down back has looked fine. Like he hasn't really yeah. flashed a bunch, but he's looked fine. Uh, and like you said, Rhett earlier, Atlanta Fournette seemingly on track to play. So they could be getting a boost still. I, I doubt Ronald Jones will play, but I think if Leonard Fournette's back, you can create, and if Giovanni Bernard had his best game as a Buccaneer um, against, against the Rams. Um he had nine catches for 51 yards and a receiving touchdown. So I would look for him a lot in this game as well. Yeah, and I think something that can you know benefit Leonard Fournette, you just mentioned, we kind of focused to the run game this week. I truly think an effort like they put up against Philly last week will get it done. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it was Gio Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn carrying the load. You're not going to have to depend on uh, Gio Bernard nearly as much this week if Leonard Fournette is available. I'm not really sure about Ronald Jones. I haven't heard a ton of updates on him just yet. But uh, let's say it's Keyshawn, Vaughn, and Lenny. I mean, 50 yards between both of those guys is enough to get it done, I think. Trevor, you spoke to the misconceptions about this run game. That just speaks to the situational effectiveness of the offense you have on the field and, you know, getting those critical third downs or running on first down, picking up six, seven yards, setting up second and short and manageable. You know, that stuff counts a little bit more than one back or another having 80, 90, 100 yards on the day because I don't know if that's going to happen this week. But yeah, yeah, man, you just I, want I efficiency. Think, yeah. you, you, I was just going to say, you just want efficiency, right? And yeah. I actually didn't realize this. I, I looked it up while you guys were talking. Rams have our highest graded uh, run defense grade as a team in the NFL this year huh. uh, at PFF. And their EPA per play against is about 15th. And they had the fourth best yards per yards per attempt allowed. So uh, I, I did not realize the Rams were this stout at stopping the run. And so... I, that's yeah. I mean, like that's, that's going to be kind of a X factor, maybe a swing factor of the game. It's not like you could totally rely on the run game. It's not like the, the bucks are going to run their offense 
through through the ground game, but efficiency matters, right? And I think that that's that's something to keep in mind is that th- these two teams are really damn good. These are really great coaching staffs. They're good quarterbacks. They're good receiving rooms. They're going to put up points, man. These are two very, very talented rosters. And even though running the ball in the grand scheme of things isn't the most important thing, for two teams that are very evenly matched, it's those little X factor moments of who can be a little bit more efficient here and there that might make the difference. And uh, it looks like Tampa is going to have their work cut out for them to execute on the ground if they want that to be an area where they kind of get the check mark or the check box for efficiency. So we'll start to shift focus now into the rest of these mailbag questions. We'll get a little bit deeper into the game this Friday on the Game Preview Show. We'll actually be joined by our good buddy Ryan Dyrud of the Believe Podcast Network. He hosts the Rams show, um, the LA Football Network. Really a lot of great coverage over there. So we'll be having a great conversation with him. But our next question comes from Julius Beer on Instagram. And uh, I like this conversation because it is far from over. We're going to hear about it. Oh, man. I I mean, it's going to be a very, very long time, it feels like, between now and whenever they end up announcing the MVP. But Julius asks us this. Should the MVP race really be close? Uh, I mean, it seems like the main argument between, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, the two obvious front runners here, the main argument is efficiency over mass production, right? With Brady, you have leading the league in touchdown, leading the league in yards. I mean, third most yards of all time thrown by a quarterback, broke his own record to get there. And then Aaron Rodgers, you have the touchdown interception ratio. A lot of people try to break things down. A lot of people take the argument so far as to like discredit wins against certain teams because it didn't count because this team sucks this year. Um, So, you know, obviously this doesn't count. Tom Brady, the argument is the interceptions, you know, the one he threw against Washington trying to target Jalen Darden. Uh, I guess you could count the two he threw week one against the Cowboys that one to Leonard Fournette pops up out of his hands. So, you know, just a, a lot of a lot of everything on both sides of the conversation. But put simply, Trevor, I want to get your take here. Should it really be this close? Like, should it be Tom Brady by a good margin? Or, you know, why is this narrative between these two quarterbacks as close as it is this time of year? Yeah, I think the reason is because you look at the efficiency, right? I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers and, and his 37 passing touchdowns. He's got four interceptions, right? I mean, like, that's unbelievable. His team's the number one seed. They just had a bye. They've played home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They're winning 13 games again. Like, like this is – that's why. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers doing incredible Aaron Rodgers things. And Rodgers has had a fantastic year, and I don't want to take it away from him. But Tom Brady has – almost 200 more passing attempts than Aaron Rodgers does. He's thrown the ball almost 200 more times than this dude. Volume matters when it comes to MVP and how, how much you matter to your team. The Bucks put the ball in Tom Brady's hands much more than they do Aaron Rodgers. And yet these two are kind of neck and neck in a lot of the stats and that matters. That matters to me. The volume that the Bucks lean on Tom Brady when it comes to now, this award has kind of taken on its life of its own, right? How much do we emphasize the word um, valuable as MVP? Do, is this really most valuable or are we just kind of like picking, hey, who's the best player of the year? Because if we're talking valuable, the volume that Brady has means a lot more than I think a lot of people want to talk about. And uh, Steve Palazzolo at PFF, he did a great article about that. We've got a wins above replacement metric that we have. And Tom Brady leads the NFL. 
NFL in that. And that's why he leads the NFL in wins above replacement because he is unbelievable what he does. And he has the ball in his hands more than any other quarterback. That, that matters. Having that volume absolutely matters. And that, that's, I, that's just not getting the weight that it should in this argument. I don't want to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. He's just been fantastic, but Tom Brady should win MVP. I mean, I, I think that it's, I think that it is clear cut. I, I, I don't want to say that like in a landslide, I, I just think that it's obvious because a lot of mm-hmm. these other guys, you know, they have great, they, they, they've had great seasons, but I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Aaron Rodgers' stats versus Kirk Cousins' stats. They're not that different. Obviously, like, Rodgers is better than Kirk Cousins. That's why we're having him in this conversation. But how much do you count those efficiency stats over a guy like Brady who's got the volume, right? I mean, like, look at the, look at these two. I'm reading them off right now. Kirk Cousins, 4,200 passing yards. Aaron Rodgers, 4,100. Average yards per attempt. Kirk Cousins, 7.5. Aaron Rodgers, 7.7. It's basically the same thing. Kirk Cousins, 66 completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers, 68. Kirk Cousins, 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, 37 to four. So Rodgers' numbers are a little bit better than Kirk's, but it's like one game's worth. Like it's it's not, it's not, it's not like it's that much better. So like, are we talking about Kirk Cousins? Like you want to like, like valuable that you like, you look at mm-hmm. how much these guys have thrown the ball. Kirk Cousins is even throwing the ball more times than Tom Brady has or than, uh, than Aaron Rodgers has. So I don't know, man, I, I don't want to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. He's fantastic. He's got his team with the number one seed. Like I said, they're, they're in the hot seat for making it to the, to, to the Super Bowl. And I think that all of those things matters, but Brady should win. Brady should win the award. That's what I think. I was really happy to to get this question uh, for this week specifically because we had Trevor from PFF on because Tom Brady was named PFF's MVP. He he was their their highest rated quarterback, um, and you, know, you said you mentioned the the war thing. Yeah, he was all he was number one in that. Um, yeah, I you know a lot of people think when you're talking about the MVP that. Well, if you're talking about this guy winning, then that means the other guy must have not been good. Like, they can both be great. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have both had fantastic seasons. But, I mean, you can't even make the, the wins thing anymore. Yeah, the Packers are the one seed, but the Bucs have 13 wins. The, the, the Packers have 13 wins. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, you, you can't even really make that. I understand the Packers sat some of their starters, but, you know, in the second half versus Detroit, they were down a halftime to Detroit with their starters in. So, you know, it's – it's a lot. I'm not saying I agree. It should be close. It should be very close. This is probably, I think, one of the closest races for MVP that we've had in a long time. I think. I, I think it's it's been a while since we've had a, a race that's this close. And um, I do a, agree that Tom Brady, you know, should win it. At, at the end of the day, I look at it. You know, would the Packers? You you take Tom Brady away from the Bucks and you take Aaron Rodgers away from the Packers. Would the Packers win more with Jordan Love? Or the, would the Bucks win more with Blaine Gabbert? And I think the Packers probably win a, uh, more games than the Bucks do with Jordan Love than the than the Bucks do with Blaine Gabbert. I just, I, you know, there's some people, you know, I think Blaine Gabbert could, you know, I know the Bucks love like Bruce Arians love Blaine Gabbert, but you know, in reality, the Bucks probably are an eight win, nine win team with Blaine Gabbert at max, probably. Like and with Jordan Love, the Packers might might be still be a playoff team. So when you're talking about that word valuable, Brady even has that right. You talk. I really like that you mentioned the the passing attempts because he's asked to do more. People bring up the interceptions. Well, the interceptions are higher because Tom Brady's throwing the ball 200 more times. Of course, the interceptions are going to be higher. Um, 
you know, and the people that bring up Aaron Rodgers got his fourth loss because he sat the starters. Well, then you also have to look at every Brady interception. You know, Rhett mentioned it earlier, as I mentioned it almost every time we talk about this. Yeah, Tom Brady shouldn't have thrown two interceptions versus Dallas. One was a Hail Mary. One was a screen that went right through Leonard Fournette's hands. Uh, another one in Washington should have been credited as a fumble to Jalen Darden. It wasn't. It was an interception. Uh, Mike Evans versus the Giants has a screen go right through his hands into the defenders. Uh, Tom Brady has had so many wacky interceptions this season that if, you know, they normally, you know, professional football players, you know, you catch the football, you do your job. Tom Brady probably should have like six interceptions right now. And I wonder that if he does, is this a completely different conversation? Because there's no doubt in my mind, he's been the best quarterback in football this season. He's the reason that the Bucs are where they are. And he's the reason they even got a shot in this thing. So I, I do think that, and, you know, and, and the Packers have been healthy all year now. I mean, I know it was against lesser competition, but Tom Brady lost two out of his three wide receivers for the last four weeks of the season and now heading into the playoffs. And they're still in the same position that the Packers are um, heading for a potential NFC championship rematch. So I do believe Brady should be MVP and I completely agree with Trevor. I also don't think it should come as much of a shock as it does to people that, um, you know, it is a Bruce Arians offense. The Bucs are a pass-first team. They count on Tom Brady to do a lot more to lead this offense down the field, which he has been capable of doing. But I don't know why that's so shocking to people that, you know, they ask him to throw the ball as much as he does. Believe it or not, if you have a 44-year-old quarterback who is capable of throwing 84 touchdowns in two seasons, believe it or not, the offense is probably going to run through that guy. And that's exactly what they've done in Tampa. They are a pass-first team. They were a pass-first team with Jameis Winston. It's a Bruce Arian-style offense. We, we know how pass-happy it is. The conversation has been had. But one more thing, just to kind of put a bow on the, you know, the Tom Brady. Well, the, 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 40, the 44 here. number should matter, too, because when's the when's the next time you're going to be able to give MVP to a 44 year old quarterback? Yeah, never. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, that's also very, very when you, true. When when you have the chance to give it to a 45 year old quarterback next year. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I think one more thing that should come into account here. And I mean, I guess for the sake of 2021 MVP, what Tom Brady did in Tampa in the 2020 season, it shouldn't matter, right? It has no effect at all on MVP in 2021. But just like Evan said, the Bucs wouldn't be where they are without Tom Brady. Um, and I guess it just brings the same formula that you had mentioned. You know, you take away Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. Where would they be? Probably still able to win games, right? Uh, would the Bucs be able to win games? Sure. But I just don't think they would be in the position that they are in. They wouldn't have won that game against the Colts. They wouldn't have won that game against the Jets. Right. They wouldn't have won the game against the Chargers in 2020 in week three. Like there are so many games where you can look back and say, man, Tom Brady really took charge of the offense, led them down the field. And he's the reason the Bucs won that game. You know, Aaron Rodgers has, I guess, not as many of those. But let's go ahead and get to our next mailbag question here. And this one goes beyond the end of the season. So whether the Bucs win the Super Bowl or not, this is still a conversation we are going to have in a couple months time here. but. Trevor, I wanted to ask you, after this season, which Buccaneers free agent should be their number one priority to re-sign? This question comes from our buddy Cluey4 on Instagram, uh, but we know that it's you know a pretty tough list of players the Bucs are going to be facing here in free agency this coming offseason. Chris Godwin, one of the many names on there. Um, so what do you think? Like Of all the guys that they are facing here, which one do you think is the biggest priority? Leonard Fournette as well. Um, Alton Davis, Ryan yeah. Jensen, Jordan, the Whitehead. list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is Car- is is Carlton an unrestricted free agent? Yeah. Or is he just oh yeah <laughs> yeah. It's, well, oh, no. well, it's, Scott Scott Reynolds seems to think that he's de- destined for the franchise tag. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I now that I'm, I'm looking at it, I've got the I've got the list up right here because I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, they got JPP, they got Sue, they have Jensen, they got Godwin. I think the answer is still. I, I think that I would rank them in order. Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis, and then Rob Gronkowski. Um, and then I think like Jensen's only 30 and he's such a big part of what they do. So obviously like, I think that he's right there. He's probably fourth. Um, the rest of them, I think that you can, obviously you'd love to bring guys back. Jordan Whitehead is as well. I see his name on this list. Like there's a lot of guys that are important. You look at a lot of these guys and you think, okay, well you need them for depth. You need them for rotation, especially if you're competing for a Super Bowl. But if I'm prioritizing them, Chris Godwin's only 20, he's going to be 26 next season. I mean, like he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. He does so much for you. He's an unbelievable asset as an outside wide receiver, as a slot receiver with the ball in his hands, blocking, screen passes, quick game, deep game. Like he's, he is so important to what the Bucs are going to build uh, for as long as Tom Brady is their quarterback. So I do think Chris Godwin's probably number one. You can't lose Carlton Davis. I mean, that's this team, this secondary for as, for as good as this young secondary is, you take Carlton Davis out of this lineup and it gets tough. I mean, if you put Jamel Dean, I like, and I think he's a good player, but if you start asking Jamel Dean to be a CB one, you, I think you're in trouble, especially with how much you like to be versatile with Sean Murphy bunting as an outside inside cornerback. And so like those two guys, I think are in like tier one, like that's tier one. You have to bring those two players back. Like you cannot compete against the best teams in the NFL. If you don't have Chris Godwin, and you don't have Carlton Davis. I know I'm saying that, and they don't have Chris Godwin for the title run, but um, I think right after that, it's got to be Gronkowski because as long as Gronk wants to play and as long as Tom Brady's the quarterback, that's paramount. Like, you can mix and match a lot of things, but Gronk being in the lineup as a blocker, as a security blanket for Brady, the familiarity that they have, that chemistry, you can't, you can't buy or replace that. So I think that that's why I'd probably put him at number three above Jensen. Of course, you'd love to bring Jensen is back as well. You want the offensive line to be as good as you can because you can't win a Super Bowl without a Super Bowl caliber kind of offensive line. And if they lose Jensen, all of a sudden, you got to start thinking about how you're going to replace that spot. So that's that's probably my order right there. Godwin's one, Carlton Davis is two, Gronk is three, Jensen is four, and then you probably got a decent argument for a handful of those guys of who you want to bring back for depth purposes. As a sidebar question really quick, sorry to cut you off, Evan. I'm just curious here. Do you see a universe where, where Rob Gronkowski plays for another team in the NFL without Tom Brady, or is it a case of like, if they can't get a deal done, he's retired. He just, you know, he goes back to the WWE or something. No. and, And that's why, like, I think that I think Gronk is, is a huge priority for them, but the Bucs are in a really good spot with all of these players, right? I, I think that you can you can look at, okay, well, they don't have the most cap space in the world, but I try don't want to be people, there. What'd you say? Yeah, right, right. No, no, no. Yeah, and that, that's my exact point. They have built such a great culture behind the scenes. Like, even, even more so than luring Tom Brady to Tampa and getting Bruce Arians in and all that. Like, Jason Light has done an unbelievable job of doing things the right way. 
And what you are seeing right now from the Buccaneers is years of, of Jason doing things the right way doing right by players, working side-by-side side with Mike Greenberg, making sure their cap is as healthy as possible, doing, doing right by all these guys as much as they possibly can. Like some people are like, why are you, why are you signing Vita Vea right now? Like you, you've got to, like you, you've got Chris Godwin and Carlton Davis to worry about. And I try to tell people on Twitter, like, this is what they do. They reward guys. And in turn, guys like to play ball with them. They don't just go, okay, give me the max money or I'm going to walk. Now, there are some players that might be in those situations, but a lot of people, like Evan said, want to play in Tampa. And it's not just Brady. It's, of course, Brady's a massive part of the puzzle. And what I was, what I was saying at the beginning of that sentence is Jason Light has been doing things the right way. And then he got Tom Brady. And that's the reason why you see all of it coming together, because it does take two parts to make some to get to a Super Bowl. But you better believe that they have handled things so healthy on the other side that there's not a lot of players that they have pissed off. A lot of people love being in Tampa, playing for the Bucks, playing for this GM, playing for this sap, the salary cap manager, playing for this head coach. Like all of this, I think that they've done the right way. And so, I mean, I, I, the answer to that is no. I don't, I don't think Rock will ever play on a non-Tom Brady team ever. And I also think that, Gronk is going to be pretty flexible. Like if Gronk feels good this offseason and if Brady's coming back and if they're going to make another run at this thing, Gronk will like Gronk is somebody who would be like, yeah, turn my whole like salary into just like a bonus. I don't care. You know, like I, I just, I want to, I want to, I want another run at the Super Bowl. Pay, and I pay, me, play in, with Tom pay Brady. me in Bitcoin. Right. Guy, right. Guys doing that now. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously these guys aren't going to play for free, but if you want, an idea of how the Bucks work. Look no further than how much Tom Brady's being paid because it is criminal that they get this quarterback to play for as little money on the salary cap as what Tom Brady does. Like that is how Tampa is set up right now. Tom Brady could demand $45 million a year and almost every team in the NFL mm -hmm. would give it to him. And instead, like what's his cap hit? 18 mil, 20 yeah. mil. Yeah, it's, I think it's, 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 it's around 17 for this year. It's stupid. And so, like, that is what I always point people to when they go, oh, Tampa can't afford Chris Godwin. Oh, Tampa's going to lose Carlton Davis. I'm like, I, I don't know if they are because dudes just yeah. like to play in Tampa. So, no, uh, long, long answer to say, no, Gronk's not going anywhere. If he's going to, if he's not playing for the Bucks next year, he's not playing for anybody. Yeah. So, obviously, you talk about Jason Light's built the things the right way, and they, and they like to to reward their guys. Your top two guys right there, both guys have been drafted by Jason Light and developed under this regime, right? That's what they love to do even more, I think. Your homegrown guys. Jason Light got a ton of criticism. And I know, Trevor, I know you are with Pew Report at the time. I, I don't really remember how you felt about the pick, but he got a ton of criticism when he passed on Derwin James for Vita Vea. I mean, a, a ton. And now look at it, right? Derwin James is a heck of a football player. But I don't know if this Buccaneers team is the same. It's definitely not the same defense without Vita Vea. So yeah. he is just – he's so critical, um, and they love to reward their own guys. The top two on your list – Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis, two guys that weren't even first round picks that they picked, they developed, and now there's they're superstar players. Right. And I, I know there's a lot of 
debate on how good Carlton Davis is. I think he's one of the better corners in the NFL. People, everybody sees Darrell Revis and just think that that's what you're going to get. And everybody thinks that their, their corner should be a Jalen Ramsey and this and that. And that's just not the case in the NFL today. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect either one of those players to play elsewhere. Um, I would probably switch Ryan Jensen and Rob Gronkowski on my list just because of the, of the things you said that like, I just can't see. I mean, this is the same Robert Gronkowski who said, I'll retire if you trade me to Detroit. I know it's Detroit, but he, he said, like, he's, he threatened retirement if they were going to trade him and take him away from uh, Tom Brady. Um, so I just I have a tough time imagining him play anywhere else. I think he's just like, yeah, it's either he's retiring or he's playing for the Bucks. And I think, I think they have a few guys like that. I think Ndamukong Sue is a guy like that. He could either retire or, or come back. Maybe even Jason Pierre-Paul. I know Jason Pierre-Paul is only like 32 years old, but extensive injury history. He's not going to come back at the same cap hit. I think his cap hit's over 10 million right now. Like he's not going to come back at the same cap hit. And they have Joe Tryon Shoinka there. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see with a lot of guys like that. They have Alex Kappa, who seems like that might be the one guy you're going to have to make a sacrifice on. It's, you know, because you can't bring everybody back every offseason, right? They did it last offseason. You can't do it every single offseason. So it seems like Kappa might be the odd, odd man out there. But over the last month and a half, Jordan Whitehead has become one of the most important players on this defense. So right. now you're wondering, can you live without him as well? He's also a homegrown guy who you developed. You picked in the fourth round and developed. So they have a lot of tough decisions. I don't think they, they plan on letting – Gronk, Godwin, Jensen, and maybe even at this point, Noah Davis too, and maybe even at this point, Whitehead, like go anywhere. I just, I don't think that like they may make sacrifices in other spots, but I just don't think those guys are really going anywhere. The the cal- the calculated. I, I'm just I'm looking at spot rack right now, and it's just it's it's hilarious because Brady is on the books and cap for eighteen point three this this wow. past season, and if you look at the calculated market values, which I really like that they have this tool. It obviously, it takes into account how good they are, their statistics, their playtime awards, you know, like all that kinds of stuff. Brady's calculated market value is 44.1 million against the cap. <laughs> They're getting him for less than half of that. It's just, it's criminal guys. This is unbelievable. He's, he's, and he's done it for years. He, he did it in New England too. He, you know, he he could have, you know, I mean, I think he's even said it. He could have made, you know, so much more money. But you know what? Like he doesn't need it, and and he realizes this is how you help build a team. Like yeah, his, I, you his, know, he his, he his gets wife's it. net worth is I think like yeah. double his. Let me. Yeah, worry. it's like it's 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 insane. So he's trust me, folks. You know, he is he is not hurting for for any type of money. And now with his whole brand selling a hundred dollar T-shirts or whatever it is, um, you know, yeah, he is. He is not hurting. just have his name on it. Yeah. Yeah. J- just have his last name. I, I, I could make them and sell them for a hundred bucks if you wanted. OK, so Tom Brady is this is this is all according to a quick Google. Okay. So don't quote me on all of it. Uh, Tom Brady is worth two hundred fifty million dollars. His net worth is two hundred fifty million dollars. And his wife's net worth is $400 million. Yeah, so he, he's fine. Tom, Tom could play for free. Tom could play <laughs> for free, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure the benefits are really going to, you know, outweigh most of whatever he'd really need to. He doesn't need to break the bank. He's a he's a cheap yeah. guy. He's a very team-friendly guy. And it's exactly what you want. And luckily for the Bucks, as we have just spent the last 10 minutes explaining, it is a perfect situation. Well, I, I did. I wanted to bring up one more point because, like I said, we have Trevor from, from PFF on here. Um PFF a few weeks ago did like their, their free agency 
like rankings essentially. I believe Chris Godwin came in at number three on, on that list. Um, they did a contract projection for him, which was four years, 70 million, uh, 17.5 per year, 36 and a half million guaranteed. So, I mean, Chris Godwin is, is one of their, you know, he's one of their, their top receivers as he should be. I mean, I think it's gotta be Devonte Adams and then Chris Godwin when, when you're looking at this list. Um, and then, you know, there's, it's, I just have a tough time. You know, Ryan Jensen's number 12 on this list. Um, his contract, it looks like three years, 30 million was their projection. So, I mean, you know, speaking you know, about PFF, you know, Trevor, I mean, Chris Godwin has been, I, I think, a PFF darling ever since he really entered the league. I mean, he has been one of the players that PFF has always thought highly of. And um, I just, I have a tough time seeing the, the Bucks let, let him walk. And he's so important to their offense. Like he, he yeah. truly is, especially when you don't have, you can't re-sign Antonio Brown. Like there, there's no Antonio Brown to fall back on. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that makes re-signing him even more important. Yeah, I think they're going to, you know, when you look at some of those free agents, I think Godwin's going to get close to, if not right at market value. Like I think the Bucks are probably going to pony up for him about $17, $18 million a year. Um, I think that he's going to hit market value. I think that Scott is totally right. I I think that Carlton Davis is then going to be a candidate to get the franchise tag and he's going to get a lot of money with the franchise tag, but I think that he's Mm going to get that everybody else then we'll have to sign for less than market value. If they want to stay in Tampa, that's how I see it. I think that Godwin's going to get market value. I think, yeah, um, uh, Davis is going to get the franchise tag, but like, if Jensen wants to stay in Tampa, great. And I think Tampa will, I think Tampa is going to give Jensen a competitive offer, but there's no doubt about it. He'll get more money somewhere else. Same thing yeah. with Jason Pierre-Paul, same thing with Dominican Sue. I mean, probably the same thing with Gronkowski, but he's just a different situation. But like same thing with Jordan Whitehead, same thing with Alex Kappa, like all of these guys, I think, depending on where the market ends up landing on some of them, because sometimes these projections can just mm-hmm. be off. Like sometimes guys just, don't have the market we think that they're going to for whatever reason so i feel like that's that's probably the way that it's going to be when people talk about bringing getting sacrifices for the bucks cap space and it's going to be those top two guys and everybody else is just going to have to yeah they're they're going to have to take less money if they want to stay in tampa so we'll see yeah one more note on this before before we we head out just you know about ryan jensen i think he's a priority because you know, Tom Brady, we can't, we, he's not going to play forever. We know that, right? It's we, maybe we know that, right? I don't know. Um, but if this, you know, if next year is his last year in Tampa, do you want his last year in Tampa to be with a new, a brand new center? Like, you know, the quarterback center relationship right. is pretty important. Yeah, so, sure. you know, and, and him and Jensen have a, have a great relationship. So that may, you know, have the Bucks even more inclined to, um, and I mean, Jensen's, you know, he's got the Super Bowl. He's not a young player anymore. I believe he's 30 years old. So like, it's not like he's going to be chasing the bag as much. So I do agree that they're going to have to sign for less than market value. That's why the interesting ones to me are Jordan Whitehead and Alex Kappa. Those are two players where this is, they've worked their, you know, their tails off to get to this point. I'm really curious to see the type of contracts they have. Um, and it's going to be a, a crazy offseason, you know, with the with free agency and the draft and everything. Because now you're starting to get into the point where the Bucks are going to have to start drafting for – they did it kind of last year, but they're going to start drafting for, you know, the, the future kind of. And because you, that's right. the, the game you play. You can't pay everybody, so you have to draft to fill those uh, needs with, with cheaper options. Yep. Listen, I, I know it's early. And I know we are going to wrap things up. I wanted to keep this brief, but folks, it wouldn't be a podcast with our guy Trevor Sycamore without a little bit of draft talk. And I know this is a little bit. I know this is looking way ahead of schedule, but 
I mean, let's think about it. If we would have had Trevor on this time two years ago, we likely would have been talking about the draft. We probably would have been comparing what we had just gotten on the uh, you know, the mock draft machine over at Draft Network. Like there was a time where we were pretty deep in draft coverage by this time of the year. But I wanted to ask. A lot of this obviously contingent on how free agency goes. If the Bucks lose a guy like Chris Godwin, then obviously they're probably going to gravitate towards a wide receiver in the first round over something else. But what do you think are some positions the Bucks could definitely be looking at in the early rounds of this year's draft, just as we yeah. you know look towards the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. A lot's going to change over the next couple of months, kind of where they end up falling on the draft board when they exit the playoffs when the season is over and then of course what happens in free agency so that's going to dictate a lot of what they have now they had a pretty good uh, i will say like depth kind of a draft last year and and i think getting try on show yinka was huge for them because even if they lose jason pierre paul i think that you can kind of slide him in you've still got anthony miller as well you know that interior it's not just in dominican sue but also some of the older guys stephen clendon uh, Will Golson is also a free agent like those guys might be out of there too and so you might really have to beef up that interior and I like interior defensive line as a as a uh, a spot for the Bucks to look at in the first round Devontae mm-hmm. Wyatt's a guy that I really like he was a defensive tackle next to Jordan Davis at Georgia I think the only reason why we're not talking about Devontae Wyatt with higher light is because people were so focused on Jordan Davis and it makes sense but I, I'd love the Devontae Wyatt pick at the end of the first round I think that that would be a good selection for them wide receiver totally uh if they lose Chris Godwin they're really going to have to get some more juice in there and it's a good wide receiver class like even if they bring back Chris Godwin yeah I agree I think they're I think they're drafting a wide receiver at some point probably within the top 100 uh, I mean if you bring back Chris Godwin it's probably going to be a lot closer to your late second late third round pick than anything else but it's super deep wide receiver is super deep and that's really great there's a lot of corners to love at the top of the draft so like if you lose Carlton Davis there's a chance you could get a guy like Ahmad Garner Kair Elam Roger McCreary like all of these guys are names to know that could be back of the first round kind of talents for them uh Trent McDuffie is also a big favorite of mine I got the chance to sit down and talk with him and uh he's great he's he's Washington's best cover corner um Washington or old head coach Jimmy Lake was uh, a former defensive backs coach for the Buccaneers in the late 2000s early 2010s and uh I asked Trent McDuffie, I was like, hey, you ever watch any Rondé Barber film? And he uh, he got a big smile and he said, oh, yeah, Jimmy's got me in contact with Rondé. I've talked with Rondé plenty. I've read his his notebooks and his, his things like that. And so I've already talked to him. So just a little nugget there. I, I know that Jason Light's got a good pull, get a good a good finger yeah. on the pulse of that Washington program. So if Trent McDuffie is there, you might want to look out for him as a potential pick for him, too. So those are probably the areas that off the top of my head, they're going to look at interior defensive line, obviously beefing up the offensive line is always a priority. They're going to hit wide receiver at some point, just depends on when, uh, and then maybe some secondary help as well. Yeah, you know, the, the real quick point that I will make, um, even if Carlton Davis is retained, I think you might have to, have to go corner. If Carlton Davis is playing on the franchise tag next offseason, Carlton Davis, Jamal Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, all unrestricted free agents. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. You great. can't bring all, you're not going to bring all three back. So right. I think even if you retain Carlton Davis, even if you sign to a long-term deal with Jamal Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, at least one of those guys, if not both, is going to be leaving. So I think that would be in a case where you're drafting for the future, essentially. I'm a huge fan of Sauce Gardner. I don't think he's going to be available in Tampa picks, but um, 
when it's all said and done, I just think that dude's just gonna rise up boards. But I don't um, either. I don't. I don't think he's gonna be there either. But uh, Dane Brugler of the Athletic, he's he's pretty tuned into the NFL, and and I think he had Sauce going like middle of the first round of his latest mock, and he said everybody he talks to is split. Like maybe hmm. Sauce Garner's a top fifteen pick. Maybe he's not going to the back end of the first round. And so he said, who knows? We might, they, they, they might have a chance to get him uh, at the end of the first round. But I actually have my mock draft for PFF coming out this coming Monday. So maybe, maybe we'll get a cornerback pick in there. Who knows? I haven't read right. it yet. So we'll got, got, got a potential little teaser there, maybe. Yeah. If anybody knows that the NFL draft is a year round business, it is Trevor Sykema. Thanks so much for coming on this week's mailbag, dude. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you again. Always a pleasure. Uh, we're blessed to call you a good friend of the pod at this point. I mean, it, it always is a good time. Where can people find you and, uh, of course, the great work that you do? Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I really do. Anything over at PFF.com. I'm doing all sorts of features on a lot of these prospects. I've, uh, we've got a great talent team over at PFF, and I'm having the opportunity to sit down with a lot of guys. Uh, I, I already kind of sat down with... Um, guys like Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett, Kalush Shakir, Tyler Algier, like all, uh, I, I've been able to sit down with a lot of these guys and talk to them during the season, but we're hitting even more here. I I've had the chance to sit down with, uh, Carson Strong and Roger McCreary and, uh, Trent McDuffie, like I said, and all of these interviews are going to be coming out as well. All that's over at PFF.com. Also just want to say, uh, I have a brand new podcast coming out at PFF with my good friend, Connor Rogers, who works at Bleach Report. We're teaming up for a draft podcast that we are just launching. It's over on, you can find it anywhere right now. It's called NFL stock exchange. It's a draft podcast, but we're also talking plenty of NFL and college football and everything too. I'm super, super excited for it. You guys can already look it up. We've already got a little teaser trailer thing up there. So you can subscribe to it. Uh, five stars only, of course, just like this podcast, but uh, you know, you guys can find it there. NFL stock exchange. First episode will be coming out on Monday. Heck yeah, man. Real quick. Score prediction for this Sunday. You can keep it as brief as you want to. <sighs> I haven't thought of this yet. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry um, to put you on the spot, but you know what? A, no, what a, no, what no, a no, no. This is no. This is literally my job. I'm supposed to be able to do this. <laughs> I'm gonna go Bucks twenty eight, Rams twenty three. So okay. I and, think and I, we spoke before the show. You you think this is this is almost like the Bucks Super Bowl kind of? I think it is. I think the Bucks have the Packers number. Um, I don't even think it's a guarantee that the Packers beat the Forty. I don't. I don't so either. <laughs> I think I think Kyle Shanahan knows Matt Lafleur very well. Uh, I don't give a damn that it's in Lambeau. I think that the Forty ers are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL that's left. Um, there is, there is, there is a very real chance that Tampa could be hosting the NFC championship game against the 49ers. So I really do think if they get by the Rams here, I've got a lot of confidence in them, of course, depending on how they look, but like, I've got a lot of confidence in them winning the NFC championship. And then only team that really scares me in the AFC is honestly Buffalo. And obviously they had a really good back and forth. That's going to be one hell of a game, but I think the Bucs are going to be favored in that as well. So this is huge. This Rams game is huge. I'll go Bucks 28, Rams 23. All right, man. You'll get uh, me and Evan's score prediction this Friday on the game preview show with our buddy Ryan. Believe in Rams podcast, also the LA Football Network. We're going to be hooking up with him, having a great conversation. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happen, happens. Words are hard. 
You can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram, rapidly approaching 30,000 followers. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. That's the show, folks. Thanks for checking out this week's mailbag with special guest Trevor Sykema. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you Sunday after the game. Win, lose, or draw will be live right here at youtube.com forward slash cannonfire podcast. Should be a good one. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.